Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. This is Joseph L. Flatley, and you are listening to Failed State Update. I am with my co-host, J.G. Michael. How you doing, J.G.? Pretty good. Pretty good. Just uh, working as much as possible. There is a lot of news to be covered, and I'm glad that we're going to be covering a story uh, that I was very interested in, and I wrote something for, uh, for Failed State Update uh, on this edition of the show. And JG, you have been covering the Ukraine crisis quite heavily on your other podcast, Parallax Views. That's true. Uh, it's apparently something none of us can uh, escape from. Not not that we should, but uh, I, I'm I'm having mixed feelings on it because it's not it's not the only story in in the world happening right now. But by the looks of it, some people could easily surmise that it is the only story happening. But I think it's definitely uh, an important one to cover. I've been meaning to ask you, or I'm, I'm just curious, you know, we haven't been covering it heavily on the website just because we kind of made a statement. We ran an interview you did with Eric Dreitzer, which I think really summed up the whole the whole issue for me, which is obviously Russia committed a war crime or is committing several war crimes and the invasion is flat out wrong no matter which way you look at it but you know to some people on the left not too many people and kind of the kookier ones anyways have have come out to support putin in a really bizarre way so stuff like that in my mind is worth covering but the day by day drums of war troop movements and stuff you know, there's there's uh, there's publications that do it better than Failed State Update, you know, like War on the Rocks or something. But also, I think there's a danger where Ukraine is not like this lily white, perfectly innocent state. There's no better cause in my mind than pushing Russia back over their border. It's not all black and white, you know. And I think that just this kind of like obsessive, nonstop coverage of Ukraine is covering up a lot of shades of gray you know it's it's just black and white as far as the mainstream media goes for me some of it has gone into like really creepy directions as in i'm I'm starting to see some commentaries even in places like the wall street journal which i guess that isn't necessarily entirely surprising but just 
I'm starting to see certain elements that are uh, very much getting into like what I would say is really racist uh, Asiatic hordes tropes, which people don't know that that's what Hitler referred to uh, the the Russians as uh, in World War II. And I I don't know, there's a lot of gross uh, sort of Eurocentrism that's being invoked um, right now. And, And I don't know, I... I'm not liking a lot of the U.S. response either, uh, but it also I, I don't think we should be, you know, patting Putin on the back by any uh, yeah. stretch. You know, what's your kind of strategy as far as covering this thing? Have you are you thinking of a bigger picture of like what kind of stories need to be told versus not told? Or are you just kind of like in a mad dash to talk to everybody to capture history in the making? What's your I, I'm Attitude. always the mad dash guy. I, I don't know. So I, I, I go gonzo. You know what? Uh, what was it uh, that that line Hunter S. Thompson had? Um, when the going gets weird, the weird turn pro. I, I guess I really try to go pro when <laughs> things get this wild. Um, but I, I guess for me, I just hope that people realize that you know there are still other news stories out there happening. Um, and we shouldn't let them go by the wayside uh, because this is the time where a lot of stuff is probably going to go by the wayside. Uh, I don't think we should stop covering, for instance, uh, the atrocities happening in Yemen um, and and what's been done there. We also just had a story uh, about uh, new FBI documents concerning uh, Omar al-Bayoumi, uh, Saudi Arabia, and 9-11 that just came out. And that's going under everyone's radar. So – I, I think we have to uh, take an approach where we're not, you know, focusing on this one conflict to the detriment of everything else. We do have a story on the website that you wrote that is not Ukraine related. It's uh, titled Private Sector Snoops Caught Spying on Muslim Activists in the United States. And uh, we're going to play an interview with with Edgar Ahmed Mitchell from CARE, who explains how these uh, weird spies tried to, uh, or did, infiltrate his organization. Um, we'll play the interview in a minute, but why don't you kind of set up what, what the story's about before we do. So Edward Ahmed Mitchell is, I believe, the deputy director of the Council on American-Islamic Relations. Uh, he's also an attorney and a former journalist, and... I recently had a chance to hear him at a conference in D.C., which covers issues related to the Middle East and especially Israel and Palestine. And he spoke about this issue of, you know, a spy within the uh, Council on American-Islamic Relations, uh, a local chapter of it, and how this led to a group called IPT and also even a connection uh, to Netanyahu's office as when he was prime minister in Israel. So I said, this is a juicy story. And there were mainstream media outlets covering it. Uh, but I feel like it went under a lot of people's radar still, including people in the uh, alternative media. So I said, oh, my God, I have to 
uh, cover this, and I wrote an article for Field State Update about it, uh, as you mentioned, and I decided, hey, I, I should interview Edward Ahmed Mitchell because he uh, knows the story. He's in care. He has been covering this, giving lectures on it, dealing with the media when it comes to uh, the story, and I said, hey, I'm going to reach out, and I got an interview with Edward Ahmed Mitchell to talk about this issue of you know, essentially what is uh, not only Muslim Americans, not only care being infiltrated and, and spied upon, but, you know, you even have uh, a foreign government, in, in this case, uh, Netanyahu's um, Israel, essentially um, asking their spies uh, or asking, not asking their spies, but asking IPT, who is, is spying on Muslim Americans, to connect uh, – Student activist groups related to Palestinian um, justice causes uh, to connect them to Hamas. That's what uh, these emails from the uh, prime minister's office in Israel seem to indicate, uh, that they were literally looking to find dirt that would connect a student group to Hamas, and they were trying to get IPT to help with this. Um, I'm not sure they could dig anything up, but these emails like that are actually at the center of this story. Uh, emails were obtained that show all kinds of interactions between this group, IPT, Investigative Project on Terrorism, and uh, others, including uh, one of the, the moles. And it is just a, a bombshell story, in my opinion. I mean, these emails uh, are, are just kind of frightening. CARE is our nation's largest Muslim civil rights and advocacy organization. We were founded back in 1994. We now have about 30 chapters around the country, including 500 staff and board members uh, in pretty much every uh, state where there is a significant American Muslim population. Our mission is to enhance the public's understanding of Islam, protect civil rights, promote justice, and empower American Muslims to be more politically and civically engaged. You know, I'm sure you could say what the NAACP has done for African-Americans, CARE does for American Muslims. Now, as part of our work, we are very, very vocally critical of civil rights violations here in the United States and human rights violations around the world. And that has attracted, I think, as you ind indicated, uh, a lot of backlash from racists and bigots and hate groups, even foreign dictatorships. Uh, we think that's a good thing. It's a sign that we're doing good work, uh, that, uh, that these people are so obsessed with us. But absolutely, we have been targeted by all manner of anti-Muslim propaganda over the past 30 years. But we're still here. We're still doing the work. Uh, and, uh, and we uh, think that the attacks on us are a testament to the importance of our civil rights work. That brings us to this spying scandal uh, involving uh, a nonprofit known as IPT, um, and I don't know if you want to start with that or um, maybe how this story originates uh, with, with a character by the name of Roman Iqbal. But uh, take us through this. What, what is ITP, IPT, I guess, to start with? IPT is a nonprofit organization uh, founded by Stephen Emerson, who is a right-wing, anti-Muslim, anti-Palestinian extremist. Was Emerson one of these characters that supported that conspiracy theory that 
the Oklahoma City bombing involved Saddam's elements or whatever. Is, is he one of those like out there sort of characters? I was just about to give. Yeah, he is a notorious conspiracy theorist. So back after the Oklahoma City bombing, he uh, he essentially jumped and said that the, the bombing had the hallmarks of a Middle Eastern terrorist attack. And of course, later it turned out it was perpetrated by an American extremist, Timothy McVeigh. Uh, Mr. Emerson, you know, was especially in the years after 9-11, very popular in right wing circles. Fox News even found himself on C-SPAN on some occasions. And he essentially was spreading anti-Muslim propaganda that, you know, Muslims and, and Islam pose a threat to the American people uh, and that his organization, the Investigative Project for Terrorism, was dedicated to uncovering and disrupting extremist Muslim plots. Now, the problem for him is that he got too crazy, even for crazy people. So in 2015, he, he went or around that time, he went on Fox News and he claimed that there were Muslim no-go zones in England. There were some cities in England that the police could not go to because Muslims had taken them over. He was widely condemned and criticized for that. The British prime minister at the time, David Cameron, called him, quote, a complete idiot, end quote. And Mr. Emerson ended up having to apologize. After that, he largely disappeared from even mainstream right wing media. And he was kind of relegated uh, to his little website where he would post articles and, uh, and, you know, troll people. But he really stopped being a major figure in the conservative movement, at least publicly, after he humiliated himself uh, in that way. But he didn't disappear. His organization didn't disappear. They were still there, still operating. Uh, but just, you know, not uh, very effective or uh, very public anymore. So then could you talk about how IPT gets uh, sort of on your radar when it comes to this spying scandal that we're going to be talking about? So look, we track, you know, all major anti-Muslim hate groups, whether that's Pamela Geller, uh, whether that's um, uh, Bridget Gabriel's Act for America, whether it's Daniel Pipes, the racist uh, Middle East Forum. Uh, you know, we track all these groups. That includes IPT. Even if we think they are flailing and not that effective, we still keep track of them because all it takes is some nut going on their websites, reading this lunacy, to then pick up a gun and do something crazy. We've seen that, obviously, you know, in numerous incidents where people engage in violence against Muslims and you went to look at their internet search history, who they liked, who they followed, they were following hate groups uh, here in the United States. So we've been tracking IPT for years. Now, what happened, uh, how we found out about the spying issue is that uh, in the fall of 2020, uh, no, fall of 2019, uh, someone identifying themselves as a, a former employee of IPT reached out to us and said they had information we might want to have about this hate group. Uh, this individual did not share any additional detail, and they just disappeared after sending that initial message. Fast forward a year later. A year later, they follow up with us, and they say that the information they have that we would want to know is that there is a mole somewhere inside of CARE. Now, at this point, when we get this, uh, you know, this, you know, cryptic, you know, uh, email, uh, you know, we don't panic. We're not that concerned for a few reasons. Number one, we don't know if this person is a nut, whether uh, this is a prank, uh, whether this is true at all. Number two, you know, we have nothing to hide. So even if there was a mole within care at the end of the day, it would be very, very, very concerning and disturbing. Uh, but it's not like we had to scramble and, you know, and worry too much. So after that point, you know, we interacted with this individual and they started sending us 
information in the following months that, that you know, quickly verified what they were saying, that there very, like, very much likely was a mole somewhere within CARE, that this hate group had been spying on CARE for years, and that they had more broadly been attempting to spy on the Muslim community in general, especially uh, major Muslim organizations and major Muslim leaders, including Representative Keith Ellison. They were using, according to the information we were given, their staff and paid spies to secretly record conversations among Muslim leaders, to attend Muslim events, you know, with cameras in their purses and other such things. And in the case of CARE, to actually use a paid employee of the organization to turn over uh, emails and strategy work and recorded conversations to this hate group. Uh, and so, you know, we learned much more about that, including the Hague was working with the Israeli government, and I'm sure we'll talk about that shortly. Uh, but that's just some of what we learned in a multi-month period, eventually leading us to the name of the mole, Mr. Roman Iqbal. And could you tell my listeners a little bit more about this saga involving Roman Iqbal? That's uh, Care Ohio, right? Yeah, exactly. So Roman Iqbal uh, joined CARE in around 2006, 2007 as a staff attorney. He joined CARE Columbus, which is a chapter of CARE. Remember I mentioned earlier, we have about 30 chapters around the country. Some of them are state chapters, for example, CARE New York, CARE Florida, um, CARE uh, Minnesota. Some of them are city chapters in states that have many Muslims around the state. So there's a CARE LA, CARE San Diego, CARE Sacramento, CARE San Francisco. And in Ohio, there's a CARE Columbus, a CARE Cincinnati, uh, and a CARE Cleveland. Roman Iqbal was an attorney with CARE Columbus and he eventually became the director of CARE Columbus and essentially the de facto director of the CARE Ohio uh, organization uh, just a few years ago in 2018. So, uh, you know, when we eventually, uh, you know, saw his name in one of these emails, uh, that was in, I believe, I want to say March of 2021. That was the first time we got evidence about who the actual mole was. Now, in the months before that, did we have suspicions about, you know, who it could be? Yeah, we had narrowed it down that it very likely had to be the leader of a local chapter based on the emails that had been shared with IPT and based on the length of time the spying had been going on. Uh, But we weren't sure. In fact, I remember for me personally, I had just on my own written down a list of people who I thought could possibly be the mole. And it was four names I put down. And Roman Iqbal was one of the names. Uh, and I can't, I'm not even sure why I put his name down. It was kind of a gut feeling that, you know, turned out to be correct later. But we didn't have any evidence it was him until about March of 2021. At that point, once we had a name, we then hired an outside law firm, which brought in a forensic investigator, someone who used to work for the intelligence community, a very top-notch investigator. They did a full forensic investigation of all these emails and recordings of our system. And uh, over a multi-month period, they were able to verify that the information we had was true, that Roman Iqbal was spying for IPT, had been doing it for years, that IPT had been spying on the broader Muslim community, that they were, in fact, uh, in communication and collaboration with the Israeli government. Uh, and so we were able to confirm all that. And then uh, about a few weeks after getting that report, uh, CARE leaders went to Ohio uh, you know, quietly, met with the board of, of CARE Ohio, informed them of what we knew Uh, The Ohio board acted very quickly. Within a day, Roman Iqbal was informed uh, that we knew he was terminated or suspended, I should say, revoked uh, all of his access to CARE Ohio materials, um, and then obviously terminated shortly thereafter, and a new director was named for that chapter. Um, So that's, you know, cliff notes. 
where does IPT get its funding from? And also, uh, is this part of a, a broader sort of, um, I would say, network of hate groups pushing Islamophobia? Because I think there really is a, a network out there that is uh, spreading very vile lies and disinformation about the broader Muslim community and uh, also just uh, specifically care. We call it the Islamophobia Network. That's our name for this um, this hodgepodge, this group of anti-Muslim organizations spread around America who are dedicated to one thing, and that is spreading anti-Muslim propaganda, to attacking Muslims, to uh, undermining the civil rights and civil liberties of American Muslims. Uh, you know, and so, you know, there are literally dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of these organizations there monitored not only by CARE, but by the Southern Poverty Law Center and others. And they have a lot, a lot, a lot of funding. We're talking, you know, uh, in the over $100 million, well over easily on an annual basis. IPT is one of those organizations. They are considered part of the Islamophobia Network, uh, absolutely. Now, where do they get their funding? So IPT is a, a registered nonprofit organization. Uh, and so some of their funding, some of it, um, you know, is visible. Uh, you know, if you look at some of the foundations that get to them, that is public knowledge. And so what we found is that some of their major funders are anti-Palestinian, pro-Israel foundations have given them uh, significant, significant, significant amounts of money over the years, including during the years that they were secretly spying on the Muslim community. We're talking, you know, uh, $300,000 here, $50,000 there, $60,000 there. Uh, you know, a lot of money. Uh, we also know from from media reporting that uh, allegedly IPT has, at least in the past, transferred money from itself, the nonprofit, to SAE Productions, which is the for-profit corporation run by Stephen Emerson. And we later learned, of course, that SAE Productions was used to pay at least one of the spies uh, that Emerson was using to spy on the broader Muslim community, not the care spy. Uh, but another spy in the Muslim community who was spying on other organizations, he was paid, if you look at his, his uh, tax form, by SAE Productions, which is Stephen Emerson's for-profit corporation. So, um, yes, we were able to learn quite a bit about them. They're absolutely part of the Islamophobia Network, and they get at least some of their funding from major mainstream anti-Palestinian pro-Israel foundations. With regards to this uh, connection with Israel, how does that come to surface and uh, could you talk about the emails uh, that seem to indicate uh, a connection um, between uh, IPT and um, officials within the Israeli government? Yeah, absolutely. So this was maybe one of the, the most shocking things of, of what we learned. You know, we knew that Stephen Emerson is an anti-Palestinian and anti-Muslim extremist. We knew that he's obviously very, very supportive of the Israeli occupation. Uh, and we could have guessed that he had some level of contact with the Israeli government. But to actually see the hard evidence of it was pretty shocking. So the whistleblower from within IPT, the person who gave us all this information, also uh, gave us emails, um, emails between Mr. Emerson, allegedly between Mr. Emerson and Israeli intelligence officials. Uh, and in these emails, uh, you can see the Israeli government asking Emerson for information and Emerson offering help and giving help to the Israeli government. I'll give you a few examples. In one example, an Israeli intelligence official named Ido Mizrahi, who worked in Prime Minister Netanyahu's office, asks Emerson, do you have any, and I'm paraphrasing, any information connecting students for justice in Palestine to Hamas? 
Now, Students for Justice in Palestine is a college student group here in the United States, very popular student group on many college campuses. So the Israeli government is asking an American hate group, an anti-Muslim hate group, it, it can provide any information on American college students, any harmful information. When I heard you uh, give a presentation on this in, in D.C. Uh, only a week or so ago, that just it, it absolutely blew my mind and just... Uh, put a lot of anger in me. You know, I felt, you know, indignation because I'm thinking to myself, they're going after college students and trying to connect them to Hamas. It's mind blowing that they it's disgusting. It's vile. Yeah, you know, it's it's amazing. I mean, you remember it's a foreign government, right? A foreign government asking an anti-Muslim group that is a registered nonprofit organization to provide information about college students here in America. So it's like three levels of crazy uh, going on here. Foreign government, hate group, targeting college students. Uh, But that's not all. In another email chain, Netanyahu's office asks Emerson for for information about Boko Haram and Hamas. And Emerson quickly sends an email to his staff saying, urgent research request from Prime Minister Netanyahu's office. Who can work on this right away? Paraphrasing again. Uh, and so, you know, this is now, again, a nonprofit organization in America running an errand for Israeli intelligence officials, right, acting on behalf of providing assistance and information to a foreign government. In another exchange, you see Emerson mentioning that he met with an Israeli general in Tel Aviv uh, in you know, a few years past. Uh, and he doesn't say what they talked about, but he mentions meeting with them directly in person. In another exchange, he, he, uh, he mentions that he's going to send the Israeli intel officials a new documentary that he just finished making. So it's just a very chummy relationship uh, and very clearly providing assistance, receiving assistance. Uh, you know, it's obviously very, very, very disturbing, but, but ultimately not truly shocking in, in hindsight, now that we really think about it. Oh, and then one other thing I want to emphasize here, and this is very important, I should mention this, right, is that it's not just the emails, right? The the whistleblower from within IPT very explicitly told us that this sort of thing was par for the course. What they said to us is that they eventually came to realize that they were lied to. They really honestly thought when they joined this organization that they were actually going after terrorists and extremists in America. And this person, the whistleblower, said to us that they eventually came to realize No, that they were not targeting uh, extremists or terrorists. They were being used to target critics of the Israeli government. They were being used essentially, and this is their phrase, as an Israel lobbying organization, that they were acting on behalf of, for the benefit of the Israeli government. That was IPT's main mission and work. And the other spy who worked for IPT, the other spy who was a, a Muslim, uh, said very explicitly that IPT's main goal is making sure that there would never be, quote, a Muslim version of APAC, the American Israel Public Affairs Committee, that could, uh, you know, reorient American foreign policy in a way that's more humane and just towards Palestinians. So it's very clear to us that, these, that IPT was acting for the benefit of the Israeli government, and clearly that they, you know, the evidence indicates that they were in touch with and in collaboration with the Israeli government. So in regards to this collaboration, uh, I I mean, does this have legal ramifications? Because I've spoken to some people like uh, Delinda Handley at uh, the Washington Report on Middle East Affairs that said, you know, if Emerson is doing that, this, uh, he should have to register as as collaborating with 
a foreign government. So look, I'm, I'm a foreign prosecutor, and and I will just say this: if if all the stuff that he's been doing is not illegal, it is certainly suspicious and unethical and worthy of a federal investigation. If you are acting in the United States as an agent of a foreign government, you have to register. You have to register, and if you don't, that is a federal crime. Uh, furthermore, you know, obviously, if you are as a nonprofit organization, right? Uh, using the donations people give to you in a way that is radically different than what people expect you to do with their donations, or if you're giving your donations that money away to a for-profit corporation, uh, you know, uh, in a way that's inappropriate, that also raises concerns about potential legal violations. So look, can we say he broke the law? Uh, you know, I can't say that for sure. That is for the government to investigate. And that is why over 80 Muslim organizations Every major Muslim organization in the United States called on the Justice Department to investigate and determine whether or not uh, IPT broke any federal laws, civil rights statutes uh, through their behavior. And by the way, we don't know everything they did, right? I'm sure there is so much more that they were doing that we don't know about because we don't, you know, obviously have full access to everything going on within IPT. But just based on what we have, it is incredibly suspicious and incredibly concerning, and it certainly raises legal questions at the very least. I think for a lot of people, uh, this may feel like a very um, complex story in the sense that you have all these different names and all these different uh, characters. You have different organizations. You have IPT, you have Emerson, uh, Roman Iqbal. So when you're talking to media about this, is there anything that you think gets missed uh, when the story gets translated to the public? Is there anything that you think uh, the layperson maybe listening to uh, this conversation right now uh, should really understand what should they take from this and what maybe are they missing in some of the media coverage of it? So, you know, I think two key things. So one is to understand that these hate groups, the IPT, they might seem like they're fringe. You may not have heard of them before, but if you ever wonder why anti-Muslim bigotry is so widespread among a certain segment of our population, it is because of groups like this. They literally, they just spend their time putting out anti-Muslim lunacy. And so for your average American who's never met a Muslim and they go online to look up Islam or Muslims or even Muslim organizations like CARE, they just end up seeing crazy stuff because of what these hate groups are putting out. And that is why anti-Muslim bigotry is so widespread. So even though these groups might seem like stupid and incompetent and and it's they're they're deadly serious, number one. Number two, I think in terms of the media, you know, what I've noticed is that mainstream media widely covered the story, but they definitely did not cover the Israeli government aspect of the story uh, as widely or specifically as other aspects of the story. That part of the story, for the most part, um, did not get as much attention, was kind of given, you know, buried further down in the story. Uh, I would say one exception was the Washington Post. Uh, and some other major media outlets did get into very clearly highlight that part of it. But other media outlets, you know, I, I would say were uh, much more hesitant to address that part of the story. So I think we've covered that in detail today. And I think that is important to note that you've got anti-Muslim hate groups that are in many cases motivated not only by a hatred of Islam, but really a hatred of Palestinians and a desire to make sure that Muslim Americans never become politically or civically power enough in this country to make our foreign policy more humane. This, of course, hits Muslim Americans the hardest. But I think um, even if you're not a Muslim American, uh, stories like this should be of grave concern to us, especially if we care about human rights. I mean, to me, 
the smears against care, you know, these these very wild fringe characters uh, that, that will try to accuse uh, care of being subversive or trying to uh, work with terrorists and things like that. It, it's no different than uh, the ways in which uh, the civil rights movement was attacked by far right elements and even uh, the FBI with COINTELPRO. I mean, people don't remember necessarily, but far right elements used to attack Martin Luther King, uh, claiming it was all part of a communist conspiracy. And we see the same thing uh, being done today to Muslim Americans and groups like CARE. We see uh, very Islamophobic attacks that are based on uh, conspiratorial thinking and conspiracy theories. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I say this all the time that not only does CARE try to do the work that other civil rights groups like the NAACP did, we experienced similar attacks. If you go back to the 60s, people don't remember this now, but yeah, absolutely. People accuse the NAACP and SNCC and Dr. King of being anti-American, of being communist, of being subversive, plotting to overthrow America's way of life. The same stuff that's said about CARE and other Muslim groups Today, these nuts say that we're part of the Muslim Brotherhood, that we support terrorism. I mean, all the stupid stuff uh, that has no base in reality whatsoever. But they understand that if you repeat a lie over and over again, people start to believe it. Uh, and, and they've been successful. I mean, there is a large segment of the country that believes a lot of these nutty anti-Muslim conspiracy theories. Uh, they, have, they have consumed the Kool-Aid, so to speak. Um, and so, yeah, that, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, now, on the flip side, though, I would say that the NAACP is also instructed for us because eventually uh, the other side lost, right? They, they couldn't defeat the message, so they attacked the messenger. In some cases, they literally killed the messenger, uh, but that did not stop the message. And eventually, the NAACP was largely successful in achieving many of their goals, and now they're a widely celebrated and respected organization across the country. Uh, and I believe that one day that will be the, the truth for Muslim organizations as well, God willing, that these fringe uh, hate groups will lose. That, that's why they're becoming so desperate, so hysterical, uh, that they're going to lose, God willing. It's just a matter of time. Uh, but until that day comes, we are still on the battlefield with them. We are still fighting the good fight uh, and exposing IPT and, and making sure they can never do this to another Muslim organization, again, is part of that fight. What does this mean for civil rights activists? Because I, I suspect there's many activists uh, that look at cases like this and can say, oh, my God, this makes me paranoid. Uh, how can how can civil rights groups keep from uh, becoming too paranoid or, or getting sucked into suspicion of each other? No, that, that's a really good question. That's something that, you know, was a concern for us when we were handling this situation. We did not want to, um, uh, you know, have people within our own organization start to fear each other, you know, worry about spies in their midst. And we didn't want that to happen to the broader Muslim community. Again, IPT targeted pretty much at some point every major Muslim organization in the United States and, and prominent Muslim leaders. But the one thing our community could not let happen was to let that make us paranoid about each other. That's what happened to some black civil rights groups uh, that eventually imploded because they had uh, infiltrators within them who deliberately stirred the pot, deliberately tried to turn people against each other so the organization would collapse. Uh, you know, Fred Hampton and what happened to him uh, is one example of that with the Black Panther Party. Uh, and so for us, we definitely, I would say to civil rights groups, do not let in, be, be vigilant, be aware, take your security precautions, make sure you got top top rate security 
uh, technologically, that you do proper background checks and you hire people, uh, you know, that when you work with the new people, new activists, you certainly, you know, ask around and see, you know, what their history is, who else do they knew, who they work, who they work with before. Those are just basic things to do. But don't become paranoid. Don't become suspicious. Don't start, you know, putting people at arm's distance. Uh, you know, I, I will, uh, you know, we are Muslims, obviously, you know, and from a religious perspective, you know, we think back to the time when Muslims were a very small group of people being harassed and targeted and killed and had to worry about infiltration and spying. And one of the things that the Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings be upon him, taught us was do not be suspicious of your brothers and your sisters. Uh, you know, do not assume the worst about other people. And I think that advice is good for people of any religion, any background and any cause that, you know, you assume the best about your, your, your fellow activists, people you're working with until you have reason to believe otherwise. So you just got to keep doing the work and know that if you're doing good work, you have nothing to fear ultimately from spies and saboteurs. If you're doing good work, the work speaks for itself. For people that aren't necessarily uh, Muslim, I, I myself am not Muslim, but I, I take this issue very seriously. And I, I wanted to give you a chance to convey why um, we should all care about uh, these sort of scandals and uh, these what these hate groups are doing. Yeah. Well, look, ultimately, I think every American should care about this, whether you're Muslim or not, because remember, the goal of these groups ultimately is to deprive one particular minority group of their civil rights, of their civil liberties, of their ability to live safely in America. And it won't stop with us, right? It never does, right? These people, generation after generation, always pick some new group to attack, whether it's Catholics or Quakers or Jews or Latinos. For Black people, for us, it's a constant thing. You know, that never, that never stops. So it will always be someone new. Uh, and so uh, don't think that you're safe because you're not Muslim, right? Eventually, these groups will turn on you too if you have anything about you that makes you unique or distinct in the society. And of course, I would argue that if any of us do not have the protections of the Constitution, then none of us really do. That ultimately, if anyone can be deprived of their civil rights, their civil liberties, then everyone is at risk of being deprived in the same way. So if you wouldn't want someone being able to spy on your uh, organization, uh, your workplace, you and your fellow activists, then you shouldn't want that happening to anyone else, no matter what your particular cause is. So, JG, that was your conversation with Edgar Ahmed Mitchell. What kind of stands out as the main issue raised by this story of yours? For me, the part that really stood out, and it can probably tell in the interview itself, is that you had uh, two officials with email accounts associated with uh, Netanyahu's government. And in those emails, you have one specific email in which they're literally asking IPT, Investigative Project on Terrorism, uh, to you know find a way to connect Students for Justice in Palestine to uh, Hamas, which is designated a terrorist group uh, by the U.S. government. And to me, it's like, wow, they're they're targeting a student group. Of and and Edward Ahmed Mitchell was very emphatic about that. A student group, as he says, American um, kids are being targeted yeah. by the state of Israel. And it, I mean, it is you know that's pretty shocking. And I you know to me, it's it's you know not to be uh, biased, but it's grotesque in my opinion. 
And and it's very telling. IPT, what, what's that even stand for? Ins- Investigative Degative. Project right. on Terrorism. And uh, I think it's very telling that it started by a guy who believes – that's the other thing that's telling about this, by the way, what I'm about to say. Of course it is started by a guy who believes that Saddam Hussein was working with al-Qaeda to do the Oklahoma City bombing. There is something about people who believe in that conspiracy theory and who push it uh, that just gives me the heebie-jeebies. Like It's like two guys at Epic Times and – Stephen Emerson from IPT and like it's just also insane. that guy who just wrote the uh, the Russians uh, or Khrushchev is responsible for the JFK assassination book. Right, right, right. Well, the important part about IPT is it is it's a nonprofit. It's it's a pri- It's a, so it's private. It's not connected to any government. It's not connected to the state of Israel. This isn't Mossad coming over. It's a Nonprofit, you know, with the benefit of being a private organization, you can't FOIA it. You know, there's no sunshine laws that cover it. So this is just a demonstration of how this kind of harassment and surveillance, these COINTELPRO tactics um, have become privatized. And I just think that this IPT story is the tip of the iceberg. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, COINTELPRO, not just for... J. Edgar Hoover's FBI anymore, right? 